My name is Fran Ryder, and I am the president of the Ontario Women's Hockey Association and heavily involved in women's hockey. My dad was a firefighter, my mom was a lifetime volunteer helping kids, and we were true hockey fans, uh, sports fans, and we were cottagers as well. And so morning to night, my brother and I did uh, participate in every sport going uh, on and off the water. I absolutely loved hockey, loved the Toronto Maple Leafs, desperately wanted to play hockey. Uh, girls didn't play at that time, uh, so my hockey was playing on a figure skates on a backyard rink with a hockey stick and absolutely loving it. I learned about the Brampton tournament and started playing hockey. I was 15, uh, the youngest player on our team was 9, the oldest was 44. It was full body checking. I went from figure skates to full body checking in no time and uh, I was happy being on the bench but the players wanted you to play and be part of the team and uh, at that point I started uh, playing hockey for and I played for about 30 years. It, it was so important to be part of a team. You shared your love of, of hockey and uh, you learned a lot about developing individual skills but more importantly sharing the, uh, the joy and, and experiences of teammates. The game is played with intensity at many levels, but there's a bigger focus on the individual, the person, and working together and succeeding as a team and, and losing as a team. If you, if you made a mistake that would cost the team a goal or cost the team, uh, there was a lot of support network there. And uh, you learn very uh, much how to win and lose together and to keep the perspective of sport and society in, in true life. When I started to be involved in 1968, I started to volunteer as well, and I wanted to do anything and everything I could in, in the world of hockey. That took me to working on various boards uh, at uh, team level, at uh, league level, at association level. And uh, certainly as we were, were growing and, and building, we were watching the trends of the game. The equipment was very, very inferior. And, uh, you know, the equipment did not fit women properly. The helmets did not fit properly. The, uh, the pants, the, the gloves, uh, the, the shin pads, none of the equipment fit well. The sticks weren't appropriate, but we were working uh, towards making equipment better. And also um, learning that uh, very early the, the spinal injuries that were uh, starting to pop up in hockey. And we worked with Dr. Pashby as he was working his work to put the uh, face shields on players to save eye injuries. And Dr. Tatter was certainly very close to Dr. Pashby in, in that goal. We saw a movement into spinal injuries and severe spinal injuries and paralysis and even death through hockey. Uh, we, we connected with Dr. Tatter who was very, very keen to do research on spinal injuries, uh, mechanism of the injury, and uh, worked very hard to, uh, to the prevention and quality of life through spinal injuries. We collected the information of individual players who had spinal injuries and spe suspected spinal injuries and uh, shared that data with Dr. Tatter. And he actually got involved um, firsthand with some of the players who had a um, a fractured vertebrae who was not treated properly and he intervened in that one and uh, not only did he do research on it but he cared about every single person and he was an inspiration. We couldn't believe that we were working with someone of his prestige, his knowledge, his his credentials and the fact that he cared and he was so humble and, and gave so much to each person he came in contact with and wanted to do so much to make, make the uh, the world of sports safer. I remember talking with him on the phone many, many times and his incredible kindness and his brilliance and his desire to make things better and his interest.
He was actively interested. He made himself available with his busy schedule and, and the pressures of his work and the importance of his work. He still made himself available for a call and it, it was just, it, it, was, it was difficult to comprehend how available he was and how kind he was. And, and it really uh, brought us an incredible respect for the person he is. In 2018, Jen Kish, Carrie Lee Gartner, Cassie Campbell and myself donated our brains to uh, Dr. Tatter and his team uh, for research on the female brain. There's a lot of studies on differences between uh, female and male brains and different types of brains and uh, the differences to, to bring some sophisticated research and studies to, uh, to ensure that uh, the best possible things can be done uh, to, uh, to treat people while they're alive. And the study of postmortem brains, when Dr. Tatter asked uh, uh, for brains, the female brains, I was very, very happy and uh, I trusted him totally and was quite happy to uh, to provide my brain when I'm done with it for whatever it's worth to uh, Dr. Tatter and his team to do research. And if there's anything any of us can do to make a better world in the future, that's important that we, we contribute to what we can. For many years, I'd worked with Dr. Tatter and his researchers on the spinal injuries, on the uh, concussion research. And really, he is so keen and so brilliant and wants to make things better and research is so important. And at this point in time, there's a lot of research that needs to be done post-mortem. And anything that I can do to help him in his research, he's relentless in trying to pursue better treatments for people, better prevention methods. And if there's anything possible that he needs that, that I can accommodate or others that accommodate, I, I really wanted to help him with that because it's such an important area to provide quality of life for those who have injuries and, and prevention for those that uh, are prevented from injuries. It's, it's a difficult area, it's a complex area. I'm really truly honored to uh, to provide any support I can in that area and if if a brain postmortem is what will help that uh, I, I'm I'm right into the mix there and happy to do that for Dr. Tatter. Safety in sport is is very much at the forefront for both the physical and mental health of people. The caliber of sport is getting higher and higher and higher with improved equipment and improved training methods. So we're creating bigger challenges for ourselves by getting stronger athletes and stronger in sport. Um, so the, the research and initiative for safety really do need to continue. They need to be continued on a daily and, and yearly basis as, as the sport evolves. The speed is so much quicker on the same size of ice. So the, the shots are harder, the game is faster, the shifts are shorter. Um, there's a lot of things that are evolving in sport and it's, it's important that um, the sport experts and the medical community work side by side to create you know, research and initiatives and uh, ideally prevention and, and also management. Another trend in sport is the relentless pressures that parents sometimes put on children to succeed and their denial or refusal to accept uh, medical research. And certainly a concussion, a brain injury is something that is not visible and trying to get individuals to understand that a brain injury has no bearing on the importance of a game is really, really important. And we are trying on an ongoing basis to make sure that parents, coaches, and all those involved in sport understand that a suspected brain injury or brain injury needs complete care, regardless of whether it's a practice, 
an unimportant game, a house league game, or a championship game. The brain needs to be properly treated, and that's one of the challenges we have, is getting people to accept the fact that uh, what they can't see is real, and it needs full and complete attention and prevention in order to preserve athletic careers and preserve life. I have never been officially diagnosed with a concussion. You know, we didn't know concussions back in the early days when I played sports. And uh, I know even as a water skier, I crashed into a marine railway once and had no clue where I was. As a, I was, played center fielder in ball, I remember multiple times diving for a ball. One, I, I just crunched my head so hard I had no clue where I was on the field. And many, many times in hockey with, with the body checking, I, w I would, would run into an opponent or run into the boards and uh, certainly feel nauseous, feel the symptoms of concussion, but not be aware that uh, I should pay attention to what was going on. It was basically, you know, get up, get back onto the ice. And at that point in time, the, the trend was, okay, if you, you were nauseous or you, you had a headache or, or you were dizzy, you, you got somebody to wake you up every hour. That was as far as we ever went in those days. We just did not know that uh, that type of thing needed our care. So, um, and I saw colleagues many, many times in the same situation. So, you know, we're very, very thankful that this research and, and treatment is available now. I'm not sure how some of us survived, but I do know um, other teammates um, in the game uh, had to stop playing completely because they had been uh, had brain injuries, they didn't know it, and they ended up right out of the sport. I, I know multiple players who, who did that, and, and possibly with proper treatment and proper knowledge at the beginning, they would have been able to continue their uh, participation in sport. And that's why it's so important now that we do know those things, that parents and players take those precautions. If you do have a suspected concussion, maybe you sit out for a week, maybe you sit out for a month but you know you, you've got a long life ahead of you and and you can continue in sport and and higher quality of life through taking a few steps giving up a little bit now to look after your health but boy will you benefit in the long run and that's so important that people understand that primarily I hope we can do more in the area of prevention with the brain donations. That is the key thing if, if there's um, some trends there. Also, we read a lot about the, the research and how important that research is to, to the treatment again and prevention of the, of the male brain. And so with some of the female athletes, and we encourage other female athletes that have had concussions, whether they've been diagnosed or not, to, uh, to step forward and donate their brains too so that we can uh, make the uh, the careers of the female athletes. There's incredible movement in, in getting female team sports and, and female sports uh, played by, you know, every sport is available now to, to, to young girls and adult women. We know that concussions impact um, the quality of, of people's working lives. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of brilliant uh, young women in this world that if, uh, if they, they have prevention of concussions, they, uh, they're going to be future leaders in the business professional and, uh, and entire world. And it's important that uh, they look after their health and, and well-being so that they can, they can take this world where it needs to go. Because of that, we need to step up the research and, and with donation of brains and uh, post-mortem and uh, perhaps, you know, down the road, the research will show that more can be done uh, while people are still alive. That That's great too, but anything we can do to, to help future generations is, is, is truly important.